Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Week 14 starts in Pittsburgh with not the most anticipated game of the week versus the Patriots, but here we are. And what a surprise. The first two possessions of the game are scores. New England Patriots scores a touchdown on the first possession of the game, but was unable to score a single point last week versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Bailey Zappi was super impressive in the first half, throwing three touchdowns, and then New England Patriots start doing their New England Patriots thing. Turnover, getting a punt block, and being shut out in the second half. What a shame. Patriots Nation isn't so excited about the win. They are more worried about getting a top three pick in this year's upcoming draft. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense is horrible with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Pittsburgh is a good team, but needs to figure out who will be the backup quarterback of the future. The Steelers know they can remain competitive with Pickett, but that won't last long just being competitive. Pittsburgh was hit with a questionable offsides penalty that you can clearly see the Patriots defender break the line of scrimmage and no one else move. This may have cost the Steelers the game, unfortunately. Now, head coach Mike Tomlin is on the hot seat, and a lot of Steelers fans are calling for him to be fired. What do you think? In Cleveland, Ohio, Trevor Lawrence takes the field after looked like a serious injury against the Bengals last week may have kept him out of this game. Trevor Lawrence began this game shaky, off rhythm, and uncertain of himself. But after a few turnovers, Trevor gets comfortable and starts to fight back. He is starting to see that the AFC South division has the best defenses and the division is a very physical division. I'm not expecting much from them in the postseason, more like a one and done. Cleveland Brown has found a quarterback that can temporarily get the job done in Joe Flacco. It's not a perfect scenario, but he can get the job done for Cleveland with a lot of help from Miles Garrett and company. This was a good victory for the morale of the team after three straight losses, and it's something they can build on. In Cincinnati, this was a sloppy game for the Colts. They are used to playing better than they did against the Bengals. The running game isn't the same without the two-headed monster, Jonathan Taylor, who was missing, and Zach Moss was left to handle the small load with 13 carries. But besides running screen plays, it was hard for the Bengals' offense to make any big plays or explosive plays. Now, a lot of players contributed to this victory for the Bengals, and we call this a good team victory. Lions versus the Bears. It would be the Lions' running attack that helped them overcome an early lead, but Justin Fields was precise and decisive and also ready to play. The Bears took the lead and never looked back. But if Justin can continue to show the Bears he is the quarterback of the future, they won't need to use their draft pick for a quarterback. Instead, they can use that draft pick to get Justin more weapons. This was a good look for the Chicago Bears. Now, I can't say the same about the Lions. This was a bad look, losing to their division rival who isn't so good of a team. Detroit is looking like a team that will start fast but can't finish. The Lions can't stop anyone, anywhere, anytime, anymore. Texas versus the Jets. The New York Jets defense continues to play hard despite the lack of offensive production. They were able to shut out potentially the best quarterback in football in the first half. C.J. Stroud posted 28 yards passing in the first half, but the Jets defense held the Texas passes game to negative four yards in the first half. Now, it's hard not to think about what could have been if Aaron Rodgers never get hurt, but that's in the past. 
C.J. Stroud was under heavy pressure, making life hard for the rookie quarterback. But the winners for this game is the Jets' offense, putting up 30 points against the Houston Texans after only averaging 14 points per game. The Texans are blowing their chances to make the playoffs. The Denver Broncos take their talents to play the Los Angeles Chargers, another team that could not score in the first half. And Justin Herbert needs to play with more urgency. I'm convinced his quarterback mechanics are just too slow. He takes tons of unnecessary sacks, and the ball can get out a lot faster than it is. Now, play calling is questionable, and going forward on fourth down instead of points or good field position is becoming a problem for Chargers Nation. Denver Broncos are learning their strengths and weaknesses under new head coach Sean Payton, and third down conversions in the fourth quarter was the biggest winner for this game. He understands how to close games, talking about Russell Wilson. Russell is gaining more and more belief in himself in a new environment, and it is taking time, and he's finally here. 49ers versus the Seahawks. Brock Purdy with another impressive game, completing 19 passes for 368 yards. This margin of victory was expected, but understand it is truly hard to win against a divisional opponent this convincingly. Now, it would be a long, disappointing future if the Seattle Seahawks doesn't get the talent they need to compete with the 49ers in the future. They need speed at the wide receiver position because DJ Metcalf struggles in man-to-man coverage and doesn't create enough separation for his quarterback. The 49ers are only going to get better from here, and if Seattle doesn't keep up, they will continue to fall behind. Now we take our talents to Kansas City for an AFC showdown, Buffalo versus the Chiefs. Another team surprisingly almost goes scoreless in the first half until a minute and 20 seconds left. Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs to a touchdown, but Buffalo played like they understood their playoff hopes are on the line. Josh Allen left it all on the field, as he always does, trying to extend or create plays when it's nothing there. And you could tell by his body language how important this game is to him. But a costly penalty takes the air out of the stadium after the Chiefs score on a great play design by offensive genius Andy Reid, and this keeps Buffalo playoff hopes alive. The most anticipated game of the week, Sunday night football, Eagles versus the Cowboys. And it was a great day for Cowboys Nation. The number one spot in the NFC East was on the line, and also the number one or number two seed for the NFC was in play. But it would be a Dak Prescott show while the magic of Jalen Hurts starting to slow down for the Eagles. And I'm not sure if offensive coordinator Brian Johnson is responsible for this, but things aren't clicking on that side of the ball like it used to in the past. Now, each time Eagles offense was about to put together a good drive, Cowboys secondary forced a fumble and created a turnover, shutting the drive down. The Eagles secondary needs to match the same intensity of the Eagles' defensive line. And if not, the Eagles' secondary will possibly stop the Eagles from a Super Bowl run. Say what needs to be said. Let's get into a little Colorado football, Coach Prime, and recruit. But let's get this out of the way first. Coach Prime landed the number one offensive lineman in the country in Jordan Seaton. If you happen to be unaware or didn't know, right? This is a big deal. You're not going to push this under the world. It's a big deal and more and more coming, right? Also, the commitment from Connecticut offensive lineman Kerry Walker and the commitment from the University of Houston offensive lineman Tyler Johnson. So he is getting what he says he needs, and he is clearly working, right? But we see more commitments from the transport portal 
which seems to be the new wave. And of course, these recruits will have more experience. This is key. But on the other hand, I don't like what I'm seeing from behind the scene. Maybe this is part of the process and we will see how it all pans out. But how I see it and how it looks, Coach Prime has issues or he wants to control too much, which he has the right to because he's the head coach. But how would that pan out? Because to me, it just seems like something isn't right. And I'm going to talk about it, right? Now, as we watching and we watch things unfold, and of course, we try not to speak negative about Coach Prime and his movement because we support and all those good things. But it is what it is, and a spade is a spade. And I was waiting to see how the situation with Coach Sean Lewis unfolded. And of course, he got another head coaching job, which is cool, right? That's cool and all. But the big question is, why are all the coaches or most of the coaches leaving Coach Prime and going to coach with Coach Sean Lewis, the now head coach at the, at the University of San Diego State? That seems a little deep to me because, you know, you can go get another job, but you, you can stay where you at, where everybody was. Are you follow the coach that was just here with us that got another job? That speaks volumes right there in itself, right? I spoke about the situation with Coach Lewis in the past, right? when. He was demoted for coach, for the officer coordinator, Pat Schumer, right? But Coach Prime, like I said before, he declined coming about the situation. And, you know, I said he wasn't keeping it real and blase squaza, right? But as time goes on, the truth comes out and you find out more and more things, right? But now that I understand Coach Prime was upset that Coach Lewis was possibly heading for another job after one season. That's what it seems like to me after reading between the lines or he felt like Coach Lewis was simply just using him to propel his career and one and done, basically. And I don't, I don't know what's wrong with that, right? But how could Coach Prime be in his feelings if these things are true because of a, another coach wants to progress or propel his career? Because that's what we all here for, to propel our progress in life here, right? And isn't that the same thing that Coach Prime wants to do? You know, he went from high school to, to HBCU to... Now, a, a big-time Division I college. Everybody want to prepare their career. And that's why I'm a little confused. Coach Sean Lewis, he's demoted in the middle of the season, but lands a head coaching job immediately after the season. So, obviously, people think of him as a good coach, and he was doing a heck of a job for the Colorado Buffaloes offense, leading in many statistical categories and playing with, you know, a subpar, a below-average offensive lineman. And then you got all these players decommitting. You know, you got the four-star quarterback, Antoine Hill, quarterback Danny O'Neill, running back John Maurice Wilder. Then you got the wide receiver, Winston Watkins. And, you know, we might say that's okay. This is normal. This is typical about players decommitting and so on and so forth. But my point is, what about the coaches leave? Heading over there with Coach Sean Lewis. You got tight end coach Tim Brewster. He resigned. Then you got defensive line coach. Nick Williams, he's headed to the University of Georgia. You got officer line coach Bill O'Boyle, who is headed to coach with coach Sean Lewis at San Diego State. And then you got the legendary quarterback who played and basically spent the last 10, 15 years of his life in Colorado. And he played in the 1990 championship. Also the running back coach, leaving Coach Prime and heading to San Diego, San Diego State to coach with Coach Lewis. Sometimes you have to look at things for what it is. And you can't be blinded by what everybody's saying or what everybody wants to expose because something isn't right. Like I said, a spade is a spade. 
now him, him and his fiance, Tracy Edmonds of 11 years, has decided to call it quits. And she just came out and said, to make this be clear, she was the one that made this breakup happen. So, I mean, you know, that's none of our business. I'm just bringing this along with the point to show this point of, uh, of connection. But, but let's get it, don't get it twisted. 11 years is a very long relationship. But when you're coach prime age or, you know, over your 40s and 50s, you don't really have time to break up and restart and, and search and date and all those things. So you want to try your best to work things out. And unless it's just nothing can be done to, to fix things, then you kind of move away. But at, when you get up in age, you just want to work things out. Now, I'm just trying to make a point, right? So I'm just trying to make a point. Now, sometimes, sometimes we have to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, is it me? You have to evaluate the whole process. You can't just always think you're right. You got to learn how to evaluate yourself and the situations to become a better person, right? Now, can I do something different that can help me stay connected to people I connect with? Speaking of Coach Prime, can Coach Prime do something different to, to stay connected to the people he connects? That's a question for me, right? The coaches, the recruits, and all those things, because we all understand and we see that he has no problem connecting, but staying connected is another situation, right? Because of course, you can't make everybody happy. We we all know that we can't make everybody happy. And if we try, and if Coach Prime tried to make everybody happy, and I know he's trying his best, he would simply be hurting himself or hurting his team for what whatever he's trying to build, right? But we know that. So there's always going to be issues, coaches, players, so on and so forth. But Self-evaluation is one of the best tools I use to keep me on point and keep me grounded, right? How can you feel you are making all the right decisions or choices if you don't have no one to hold you accountable? If you just have yes men and everything you say is right, how do you know you're making the right decision, right? Because I sure hope this next season, this next following season, I sure hope Coach Prime, he comes with a different swag, a different approach, different attitude, right? Because we understand this is his first year at this big program. And this is his first full season in the offseason recruit. So there's a lot of different tasks that he's dealing with experience and, and learning on the fly. So we're going to give him a chance. And we, like I said, we're just important. But I'm, I, when I see things I, that I don't really agree with, I have to bring it up because, you know, that's who I am. Here's another question. What about the parent? How would you feel? I'm talking about you. You listen to this right now. How would you feel if you are the parent of one of these kids and you support your child with wisdom and love and all that good stuff, right? And your child wants to be a Colorado Buffalo. He wants to go to University of Colorado and play with Shadur Sanders, Coach Prime, and Travis Hunt and all that good stuff. Would you support that? Would you encourage that to your child? I want to know. Would you encourage that to your child? Is this something you would want for your kid? Deep down inside, would you be feel comfortable sending your child out there to the mountains with Coach Prime? Because like I said before, Coach Prime can connect with people. He does that very well. He probably does that better than most people in the world. But how long can you stay connected with people is the question. You can connect with a person five minutes, 10 minutes, and, and then after that, no more connection. Or you can have connections with people for a lifetime. And obviously, we all have lifetime connections. And Coach Prime does itself too. And I know about relationships. You know, he got... A lot of people that looks at him as a father figure. So he's definitely can stay connected. But we're talking about football, college football, his kids involved, other kids involved, everybody trying to change 
the dynamics of their, their family future, right? But at the beginning of the season, it was all fun and games. Watching Colorado win games, bringing all the celebrities and his friends and to the sideline to support the Colorado Buffaloes and, and Coach, Coach Prime on his journey. But after the four-game winning streak was over, it was time for Coach Prime to start coaching. And that was one of the issues that we didn't see, right? Yeah, he can say won four games and, and did all these great things, but seven, seven straight games losing, is, is no matter where you're at, that's not good, right? Because we know Coach Prime, he can sell out crowds and bring a lot of money to the college, right? Great marketing skills. But he is at the University of Colorado to coach young men and to win. Like I said, losing seven straight games is not the best way to end the season. So this season is important for him to come in strong. And um, like I said, I hope his attitude and everything, he comes in with a different mentality. Now, Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Coach Prime, is an extremely popular individual who has achieved success to another level as an athlete. Sometimes successful individuals like myself, like Coach Prime, we can let our ego get in our way. We think we have all the right answers because we've been through so much and we, we, we accomplish a lot and we feel like it's usually our way out of the highway. And that's the type of attitude that uh, popular individuals have. And sometimes it's not, it's not that necessary. So evaluation, self-evaluation, looking at each other, looking at yourself in the mirror and understanding exactly who you are is the best way to attack life and whether you're coaching football, uh, whether you're raising a family or whatever, look at yourself first, understand your problems, and then you can move forward and be a better person. Quarterbacks whose careers are coming to an end or who should think about retirement at the end of the season. Let's get into it. Coming in at number four, Russell Wilson. Once a Super Bowl winning quarterback, Russell Wilson's magic has dwindled away after his 2014 and 2015 back-to-back -back Super Bowl appearance. His age keeps on aging. Now, at the age of 35, you can see the difference in his athletic abilities as compared to before when he was with Pete Carroll in Seattle. Now, he's a step slower. Arm is not as strong as it used to be, and his agility is down 40%. And the most obvious thing is his desire and will to win. It's not the same as it used to be. I just don't see the player that I used to see playing in Seattle, and that's why Pete Carroll didn't mind letting him walk. But now, maybe it's time to think about his future and retirement. It may not happen this year because of his contract guarantees, but I guarantee you this, Sean Payton will be in the market for a quarterback he believes in and a quarterback that is a dog and that he loves. Coming in at number three, Jameis Winston. Now, if you're a winning quarterback in college, your performance should translate to winning in an NFL. That's not so much the case for Jameis Winston. He came into the NFL with high expectations, but never achieved his potential that scouts and executives thought it could be. But Jameis actually threw for over 5,000 yards in his 2019 season, which is great, but he also threw 30 interceptions and also was sacked 47 times. That isn't going to cut it in the NFL if you want to be a successful quarterback. Now, after being replaced by Tom Brady, and winning the Super Bowl in 2020, that says a lot in itself. But a lack of confidence was never Jameis Winston's issue. He believes in himself if no one else does. And everyone around him expressed how nice he is and caring as an individual. But after nine seasons and 100 interceptions, 
it's time to think about retirement and let it go. Coming in at number two, Kirk Cousins. Now, at least I can say this quarterback tried his best and gave the game his all. Now, we've seen the best from this quarterback in his 2020 playoff campaign falling just short of making it to the NFC Championship. Now, you all might remember that game as a wild card game when Kirk Cousins hit Stephon Diggs on a deep, deep corner route against the Saints and deep to the back clearly missed. This is one of Kirk Cousins' biggest moments of his career. A fourth-round draft pick, Kirk was forced to grind his way to becoming a starter. And in that same draft, his team drafts Robert Griffin III with the second overall pick. And that means Kirk is one play away from being a starter or one play away from getting cut. It can go either way in the NFL. This is a part of the business. But Kirk's biggest issues are taking sacks and his accuracy with the pass. Kirk, he's going to let it fly. He's a gunslinger. He consistently throws for over 4,000 yards per season because he is that gunslinger. But he's not the winning quarterback NFL teams want. Kirk Cousins needs to think about retirement. Coming in at number one, Derek Carr. Now, I never looked at Derek Carr as an elite quarterback in the NFL. He is a player that can get the job done, but never a quarterback that can make his team dominant. Now, the decisions he makes in live action are not the best, and sometimes it's just off. But after nine seasons with one organization, he departs from that team and tries his luck at a new organization. Not much luck at this new team, which is the New Orleans Saints, right? Now, his contributions to the team is no different from his days as, as a Las Vegas Raider. And to be honest, he is playing on a much better team with a much better defense. But the media always took a positive outlook on Derek and his performance. And maybe that was because he was always on such a piss poor team. But the truth is Derek Carr was always an average quarterback in the NFL. He could never get over the hump to being an elite quarterback. Because in nine seasons and one team, Derek Carr produced two postseason appearances and no postseason victory. He has always been rewarded for his play. And I don't understand that. It's definitely a blessing, but was he deserving of these big, huge contracts? Like I said, it's definitely a blessing, right? Durability has always been Derek Carr's best asset. He is going to be there at that game, and he will not miss a game. But now he's dealing with concussion issues, and the Saints rather not start Jameis Winston because they are afraid Jameis will make Derek Carr look bad after paying Derek Carr $100 million. Derek Carr needs to retire, either now or later, but very soon. Some quick facts for you. Did you know Derek Carr had a brother that was drafted with the number one pick? And do you know his name? David Carr. Yes, he was drafted by the Houston Texans, and that is the big brother of Derek Carr. See you next time. Say what needs to be said. I'm out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.